In the pines, in the pines, where the sun never shines, you'll shiver when the cold wind blows. There's a grave in the pines, where the sun never shines, there's a grave that's shaded with the pines. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Slay Queens podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Zoic. And I'm also your host, Wayne Thompson. And this is a show where we take a deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Ashley. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm loving the cheap champagne. <laughs> Having a good day. Who doesn't love a good bottle of cheap champagne? It goes along with our quintessential uh, wants to be rich but is not serial killer that we're about to indulge into today. Not exactly a serial killer. Well, if well, you that's ca- fair. Yeah, yeah, if you, yeah, yeah. yeah, if you count the animal cruelty. The yes. actual, yeah. Well, yeah. I'll count that because to me those are humans. Anyway. I completely, I'm, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying that there may not, be, yeah, there may be. our first only quote unquote true crime, not, not serial killer. Yeah. So in any case, um, we should probably do a couple shouty outs, you know, everybody on iTunes, that handful of people that have rated and reviewed, we love. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple other ones too, right? Like Spotify. And I think you can only rate and review right you? now on Apple Podcasts. Okay. Well, Apple, um, everybody go over there, even if you don't use it. Yeah. <laughs> right now, we, the Slay Queens podcast, actually are rated five stars on Apple Podcasts. Yay! So snaps for us. Snaps for us. I did not know that. And thank you to everybody who reviewed us on Apple. And thank you to all those people who will, hearing this now, go and review us yes, on Apple. Yes, appreciate. <laughs> only if it's good. Yeah. <laughs> Five star reviews is, is what we expect, that's what we're going for. and that's what we appreciate. <clears throat> Anybody else? I mean, I have so many friends. Y'all are amazing. We have received a ton of love on social medias on yeah. Instagram. We've even gotten some some nice recognition on Twitter, uh, and people <laughs> have shared. Yeah, people have shared some of the memes that we're putting out. People have shared some of the episodes. Oh, and if you have any memes that you like that makes you think of us, that's always a good thing. Too. Oh, yeah, we will, shout out on that. we will absolutely share it. Mm-hmm. And we will shout out to anybody uh, moving forward who has given us a shout out on their social media or in rating and reviewing us. We sincerely appreciate it. And it's so important to get the name of the podcast out there so that people can find us and enjoy us as much as you all do. That word of mouth. Like I told you, Tori, my best friend, she's so great, walked into a cubicle hearing conversation about true crime and podcasts, and of course had dropped, you guys need to listen to Slay Queens. And I'm like, that's so funny to think about someone in another state, in another city, just being like, you know what you should listen to. Because, in, I mean, love her, but she's also the, a true crime queen who would not recommend <laughs> if she was not into it. So, yeah. love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate all of that. And we hope to keep it coming. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So this one, we always say we're excited about because we're excited about all of them. But this one's super interesting in in my opinion because I don't think he was – was he recommended by anybody necessarily? No, he wasn't. He was a random – I was just – Thinking about – because I remembered some of the case, both of us. Yeah. You had remembered some of the case. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that guy kind of thing. Um, Coincidentally – Netflix is doing a, is it a docu-series or just documentary on him? I think it's a docu-series. Okay, where he's yeah. going to be part of, of this. We've talked about, uh, his name's Luca Rocco Magnata, born Eric Clinton Kirk Newman. I think he just, I mean, basically Eric Newman is what his name was. Yes. Um, we did not do this because we knew <laughs> that Netflix was making a documentary. It was completely coincidental. Like, that was just, I mean, Wayne found this out, but... Last week. Yeah, in doing so. my research for the podcast for this episode, I reached out to Ashley and said, you will never guess <laughs> I know. how coincidental this is. And we even kind of have a timeline of, we know when we're going to be recording who uh-huh. on what dates. We may, yeah, we jumped him up a couple episodes because yeah. it would be, I mean, it, by now, this coming out, the, the documentary will have been out, what, for six, six days. days. Yeah. yeah. So if you've seen it... <clears throat> Awesome. <laughs> I can't wait to watch it. Like, it'll be interesting to know what we talk about today versus like what I go now. And wouldn't it have been wonderful though to have the documentary to watch before we did this? It would have. There's not much out there about him, you know? It would have, but I 
I kind of enjoy the process as it was, and I kind that's of wouldn't wanted to have changed it. I can take things out and then yeah. maybe go and watch something that's a little bit more refined in a way yeah. from what we have seen. Plus, from what I kind of understand, the thing that Netflix is doing, I think, is more so about the people who were pursuing yes. Luca Magnata as opposed like an to. Army of- civilians exactly as opposed to luca magnata himself yeah and i feel like the story that we're going to tell is a little more luca focused yeah because the name of the documentary is don't fuck with cats right yeah rule zero yeah rule zero don't fuck with cats all right which will make sense to all of our listeners there's your foreshadowing (laughs) here in just a moment (laughs) all right just a reminder we are amateur podcasters. We, we are. are not professional and yes. we are not yet uh, sponsored. So not all yet. of this is coming out of our, our pockets and it's a learning experience, but we are working to improve the quality of our process. We are working to improve the quality of our sound and the quality of our research just to make it an overall better experience for the fans. In doing so, I would like to cite my resources. We are discussing Luca Magnata today. He is considered the one lunatic, one ice pick killer. I've literally been calling him the one ice pick, one psycho killer. Like, I don't know why. That's what, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, but it's not accurate. So thank you for that. I mean, we can uh, <laughs> consider that slang, maybe. That's fair. A little okay. bit of street slang. Throw some street cred down. Uh, my resources were a documentary by the CBC, that's the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, titled Hunting Luca Magnata. I do believe I ran across that on YouTube. Yes. I also used the book My Son the Killer by Brian Whitney with Anna Yorkin, who was actually Luca Magnata's mother. Ah. And also referenced uh, some things from a couple of articles by the UK Sun in London, the Montreal Gazette in the Montreal. And a website <laughs> called OCanada.com. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. So, are we ready to dive into this? Let's dive in. Let's take this deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. Mm-hmm. Luca Rocco Magnata was born Eric Clinton Kirk Newman on July 24th of 1982 to parents Anna and Donald Newman. He was born in Scarborough, Canada, which is a small suburban community on the eastern outskirts of Toronto. Luca was the eldest of three children. His father suffered from paranoid schizophrenia and was known to be both mentally and physically abusive to the family. Yeah. Donald was known to be a controlling man who believed that the outside world was, quote, dirty and dangerous, end quote. For these reasons, Luca's interactions with people outside of his home were limited, and he was actually homeschooled until the age of 10. It was at that time, uh, again, at the age of 10, that uh, Anna and Donald, not their age of 10, Luca's age of 10, (laughs) uh, they would divorce. Uh, Though Anna would quickly remarry, this would prove not to be a better situation for Luca. There were allegations that his stepfather was also both mentally and physically abusive to the boy. By 1988, Luca would leave his mother's home to live with his grandparents. Eventually, Luca would finish his middle school and high school careers in public institutions where some of his classmates would describe him as, quote, forgettable, but other classmates would remember Luca as being, quote, vain, effeminate, and preoccupied with his looks. Let's let's remember the, quote, forgettable. It, yeah, exactly. That's, that's something that I think dug deep in him for a very long time. Deep into his psyche. Uh-huh. Plus, there, I, I wanted to make it a point to reference both of those accounts because That's they're fair. so polar opposite yeah. of one another. Uh-huh. Teachers, however, would recount that he was the type of student who was often bullied by classmates despite their attempts to intervene. And again, I think I've already said it once in the less than four minutes we've been talking <laughs> about this guy. But I mean, duh. Right. This is a small suburban community, and he's been described as effeminate and vain and preoccupied with his looks. People might, have, people might have described me in a very similar fashion <laughs> when I was That's growing up. Cool. And yeah, I was bullied mercilessly. I'm sure. And I'm certain that there are a lot of other little boys and girls and kings and queens out there who yeah. can say the exact same thing. Because if you're a little boy who is interested in, you know, makeup or clothing or something, it doesn't even have to be makeup. It could just be maybe that you like to carry a purse around every now and then or this, that, or the other thing. Like, that's something where people are going to notice. They're going to remember. They're going to talk about it. Or, 
Or, you know, I can speak from personal experience when I say I was just bullied for being, yeah, probably a little bit effeminate. I mean, you guys can hear my voice. (laughs) But also the fact that I was just a very clean cut kid. Like, yeah, I wasn't you that cared r- about exactly r- r- rough and tumble. You weren't the kid who was like wrestling with your boyfriends and getting up after you're bleeding. You're not doing any of those things. That is absolutely correct. I waited yeah. until adulthood to wrestle with my boyfriend. <laughs> I was waiting for a joke. I like set that one up. You know, <laughs> he shoots, he scores. Ah, uh, sports reference. <laughs> Are you proud of me? Oh, a double threat. Yes. <laughs> Uh, by all accounts, though, during these years, Luca would struggle with depression and his general behavioral health, only really establishing close relationships with his grandmother and his sister, Melissa. I do find it interesting that with so many of these cases, it is obviously a, a bad home life, and then they end up with the grandparents. I mean, this one, I didn't learn anything about the grandparents being, you know, bad in any way, I will say, but like in certain in so many of these situations, it's what you see. Like they go to live with the grandparents, but the grandparents aren't great either kind of thing. The only thing I read negative about the situation with the grandparents was that eventually the grandmother and the grandfather also divorced. Okay. So that was even a broken home. That's fair. Yeah. But he maintained at least a good relationship with his grandmother. Yeah. Uh, which was very encouraging. And I, I wasn't not, not that that situation was perfect and not that there wasn't potentially maybe some sort of abuse or neglect that was yeah. happening, but we, but also too, he has to get almost at least a teenager by now. Cause you know, his parents divorced when he was 10 and then give it a couple of years where he, she was remarried and then she goes yeah. to live on, you know, just kind of putting it together in my head, the timeline. So I feel like whatever has already happened has already happened. It Absolutely. doesn't matter what the grandparents do. You have the best relationship ever with them. And you know, he's already kind of who he is as a person. Or at least he's developing who he's going to be as a person. Uh, Luca was even diagnosed with schizophrenia as a teenager, but would remain unmedicated by his own choosing because he essentially just refused to accept his own uh, mental health disorder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he's a child. So again, someone somewhere should have intervened whoever was well, caring for him to, at that point in time. Well, we're going to get to that. Like, they did. They to. did. I'm, I'm saying though, whoever is parenting him at this point yeah, that's shouldn't leave it completely up to him yeah. to go, okay, sweetheart. No, you don't have to take medicine uh-huh. for this major medical disorder. Right. It is, it is it very much exactly. a, mental, a mental health issue that needs to be, it's not like we've talked about before. I have, you know, run of the mill, generic depression anxiety issues and i know that i can medicate that by certain things like the gym and alcohol every now and then <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs> every eating now health, and then what are you talking healthy, about you know waking up when the sun rises like all kinds of things that i can self-medicate with mm. someone with a mental health issue like this this is not something that you can self-medicate no it's, it's surely not a lot of these are actual chemical disorders Absolutely. that have chemical to be treated pharmaceutically, pharmaceutically. Yes, yeah. 100%. Your brain isn't producing enough some, enough of something. Store-bought's just fine. You just need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was very unagardened of you. <laughs> Store-bought's just fine. If you can't find real happiness, you can't, if you can't find real happiness, store-bought's just fine. <laughs> Luca Magnato's goals and aspirations post high school would include his pursuit of a career in modeling. Despite his efforts though, in 2003, Luca had taken work as a dancer in a Toronto nightclub. He had also appeared in two pornographic films and began marketing himself in the local gay community as an upscale escort. Uh, I know you're curious, so I'm going to let you know that the porn films were those straight men seduced by a gay dude of like course. sort of film and uh, he was so pretty interestingly enough he was the straight guy in that situation which what? i found to be super uh, surprising super, super surprising because yeah. of the fact that like some of these other like websites and things that he eventually will um audition for and like tv shows and things yeah. they were turning him down because he was too scrawny a lot of the time so when you look at him he's a beautiful face you know, obviously he's like sucking his perfect lips yes. in all the time. He admits that he's addicted to plastic surgery. So I'm like, in what universe would he be <laughs> the straight man? The big butt straight them. guy that to gets me, seduced. I know I do the comparisons, right, to like famous celebrities. I don't yeah. have one for him, but what I do have is he very much is like a Backstreet Boy. 
I can completely you know what I mean? see what you're saying there. There's yeah. no like actual 100%. Maybe like the Nick Carter of all of them, I could see a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, he's definitely like he that did image. a very basic generalized description yeah. of just like a 90s boy band yes. member. Backstreet Boy and yeah. Zink, any of them. Yeah, it, then right? he kind of right, fit, right he fits in as like the skinny blonde. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. mostly blonde, not always that blonde. That ends up either. with an alcohol problem, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Luca's first known crimes would occur in 2004 when he befriended a 21-year-old woman Ugh. with the mental capacity of an 8- to 12-year-old. This makes me so angry. It's, it's disgusting. Luca committed fraud by making $10,000 worth of purchases on a credit card that were in the woman's name and also allegedly sexually assaulting her while filming the incident. I did not know it was in excess of yeah. a couple thousand. Like I thought, I knew he was using her credit cards and it was fraud and all that. Yeah. Despite the the allegations of sexual misconduct, Luca would only be charged with and ultimately plead guilty to four counts of fraud. Before sentencing, Luca's defense attorney would show the court medical records indicating that he had schizophrenia. In light of his behavioral problems, Madam Justice Lauren Marshall would only sentence Luca to nine months of community service with 12 months of probation. She would also offer him this stern warning. Do you have that one, Ashley? Yeah. I, well, this one, yes, is one of my second favorite. I have another favorite. But yeah, this is a good, a great quote, a great warning, as you say. What did she say? Uh, you have to always take medication. If not, your life is going to get messed up. Yes. She said you have a medical problem. You have to always take medication. If you don't, your life is going to get messed up. End quote. And again... Bit of foreshadowing there. Oh, a little bit. Yeah. The other one would have been the the lawyer after the uh did you do you remember what he said? I after? got a little bit of information about the lawyer. I'm intrigued to hear what you have because I have interview. something here. Just in the interview where they asked him, they were like, Okay, well do you think that the fact that they dropped the sexual assault assault charge because at that at, at that point, let's not forget, he would have been in the system, like FICA or whatever the system, the fingerprint system, but he's not because you're not for something when it comes to fraud. Obviously it's not a felony. A sexual assault charge would have been very different. So the the lawyer said, um, uh, it was immeasurable with huge ramifications to our society. I, I like the actual quote much better than what I just wrote down in my notes. <laughs> I know. I, I like, I, I read I watched it twice. And when that quote happened again, I'm like, I have to write that down because it really does like hit deep when you hear him say it. Cause he's just like, you knew he believed it when it happened. You yeah. know what I mean? I just essentially, I just kind of paraphrased it. I watched the interview with him and he said that had he been convicted of a sex crime, then he would have been like on a sex offender's registry. He would have had he to routinely, yeah, radar. he would have had to routinely check in with like officers of the law, mm-hmm. and uh, there would have been probationary stuff that he had to do, and he would have been much more restricted Something as to activities been. that he could have uh, participated in or gotten away with. Right. And he said that uh, it would have changed the course of his life, and of course, it would have changed the course of the life of his uh, ultimate victims. And that was my paraphrasing. After years of turmoil and no real prospects for his future, by 2006, Luca Magnata would make efforts to totally reinvent himself. Eric Newman. He would, yes. He would now become. He would legally change his name to Luca Rocco Magnata because, as you (laughs) mentioned. That is a porn star name. I don't know what it is. (laughs) As you mentioned, he was actually born Eric Newman or Eric Clinton Kirk Newman. And just as a personal note, I've known so many men in my lifetime whose names were Eric Newman. I was thinking to myself, like, that is, your, your name might as well be Eric Smith. Like, it's just such it's a... It's so common. Typical. It's so common. And that's what I was thinking to myself. Like, another another thing is, these people that have changed their names throughout history when they've become killers or whatever, it's like, the, when you find out what their, their real name is, I'm like, God, they're such, like, everybody probably has met someone named that before. And I'm sorry that if that's your name... <laughs> that you got that shorthand, but uh, shout out to all the Eric Newmans out there. Those that we know and those that we don't know, we completely respect you. uh, But evidently Luca Magnata did not. No, he did not care about you in the future. Fuck that guy. Luca would even undergo a pretty significant physical transformation. Having had two hair transplant surgeries an under eye surgery and a cosmetic nose surgery. 
Developing what some would later call a pathological need to be noticed, Luca would continue to seek fame by auditioning for reality TV shows. He, however, would fail to impress casting directors and not be featured on such shows as... Do you have the names of those, Ashley? Well, one of them that he auditioned for was this website, NakedNews.com. Or he was on NakedNews.com. Yes. That's right. The ones he was rejected from were uh, Plastic Makes Perfect and Cover Guy, which the Cover Guy interview was hilarious to me because, like, (laughs) you can see why he gets rejected because he has no personality. He's like the most monotone person you've ever seen all the while. Like when he stops trapping, sucking his cheeks in so that his lips look more perfect and I would, they're already perfect, whatever, get over it. But he talks about how he's, he's, my name's Luca Magnata and I'm addicted to plastic surgery and how he's going to have implants in his chest and implants in his biceps. And like, that's fine. I understand maybe some people need to go that route if, there are some genetic issues or surgeries or something, whatever. This guy is just a skinny kid who's just not hitting the gym. <laughs> like, it was just so baffling to me where I'm like, he's already on this path of perfection without even wanting to do the work. You can find the uh, kind of interview process yeah. for his trying to get on these shows on YouTube uh, because I saw them as well. The thing that I found most ridiculous was the quote where he was telling the casting directors, uh, I'm often told by people that I'm devastatingly beautiful. Yes, I know. <laughs> I am told, but people often tell me this. Like, if if people think that, then you don't need to outwardly say it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I often say to people, if you want me to see how badass you are, if you want me to see how beautiful you are, if you want me to see how extraordinarily, how extraordinary you are, yeah. Show me. Yeah. Don't tell me. It's like one of my favorite Cheapens quotes. It. My girl, Eliza Schlesinger, one of my favorite stand-up comedians. Oh, I love her so much. She's hysterical, but she she says things that I think all the time, or things that I've already said half the time, one of them being, if a guy has to tell you that he's an alpha, guess what? He's a beta. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Uh, but yes, he was uh, attempting further fame and fortune by now pursuing opportunities to be on reality TV. He didn't impress any casting directors, so he wasn't featured on those shows. And from what I understood, that was a male modeling competition TV show. And then the plastic makes perfect was a reality TV show about people who were addicted to plastic surgery. Right. Those close to Luca at this time would report that he had a growing interest in serial killers, but a particular quote, obsessed fan Uh, fascination with Carla Homoka. And for any of the Slay Queens out there who might be listening who are not familiar with that name, Carla Homoka was the wife and accomplice of Canadian serial killer Paul Bernardo. The two were actually convicted of murder, sexual assault, and torture of three to four women. They were also charged with the rape of approximately 13 women. The story of their crimes is actually depicted in a film called Carla, that's K-A-R-L-A, in which uh, Laura Prepon uh-huh. from that yep. 70s show and yep. Orange is the New Black oh, uh, plays yes. the title character of Carla Homoka. And I'm pretty sure I watched that one some years ago on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's still available on Netflix, but I know that when I watched it originally a while back, it was available there. So if anybody's interested, Yeah, because I Carla. don't watch anything with hot Donna or Alex Voss. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> who wouldn't? Hello, that's like queer culture for us over here, you know? Yeah, who wouldn't? I'm even into that. <laughs> Uh, in an attempt to have his name associated or linked with Carla Homoka, Luca would start rumors online and in the local community alleging that the two were in a romantic relationship with one another. Internet posts would read such things as, quote, model and adult film star Luca Magnata reportedly dating serial killer Carla Homoka. <laughs> Once these rumors and allegations had sufficiently circulated, Luca would even reach out to the local press and publicly deny the relationship. Luca's official statements regarding the situation uh, were that the rumors had, quote, ruined his reputation and turned his life upside down. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, this stunt would cause a minor stir, but not give Luca the attention that he wanted. I should also note here that the reason Luca was able to circulate these rumors himself without anyone at the time realizing that it was him is because... Throughout the course of the investigations into his eventual crimes, authorities would discover that Luca had 70 to 80 online profiles and personas across various internet platforms. I mean, I knew that he had quite a few just 
been researching this because he obviously was posting about himself, commenting about himself, getting yeah. the talk going in his own way. And he obviously was posing under different names, but dear God, 70 to 80. That has got to be that much time. I can't even check my own social media, like one account for each. That's, it's a full-time job. I mean, I guess it's all he's doing, though. So exactly, he's <laughs> not working well. To be fair, to be fair, I guess uh, he is still maybe uh, working as a dancer in a nightclub and still doing some sex work. So that's fair. To I be mean, fair, he is working. supporting himself in that way. But then again, those are your own hours. So exactly, this is very time-consuming. I don't know how he found. He probably just you know, would dance or, you know, have be, work as an escort when he, he knew how much money he needed to make. Okay. I'll make yeah. X amount and then I'll go back to doing this because this is what I need. And yeah. I mean, he, he lived in different apartments and things. Yeah. So obviously he was paying rent and things of that nature. So yeah, he's a busy man. He is a busy boy. By the fall of 2010, Luca Magnata's appetite for attention had begun to take an even darker turn. He began to take inspiration from gore fans and blood seekers across the internet. Ew, yeah, I forgot like this website, which I ended up visiting and watching a couple oh, of videos. Girl. You are brave. <sighs> well, you get intrigued by things like that when you're into true crime. So I did. I watched probably way too many suicides. That's I don't want to admit that, but that was like the most like kind of hit thing on that site. Bestgore.com is the website if anybody is intrigued by that kind of thing it's it's scary out there man i mean for me personally if i want to see blood and gore i'll just go to work <laughs> that's so you fair know. i'd rather so. watch a horror movie where i know it's fake uh luca uses his various online identities or using his various online identities would begin to hype a video titled one boy two kittens then on december 21st of 2010 the video would premiere it makes my skin crawl the video depicted an unidentifiable man whose face was concealed, petting and playing with two adorable little kittens. The man would then place the kittens into a vacuum sealed bag before attaching a vacuum to said bag and sucking out all the air until such time as the kittens would die from suffocation. I can't. Despicable. I, li I can't even. After, the still unidentifiable man would remove the lifeless bodies of the kittens and continue to play with them, and there were even accounts that he rubbed their bodies against his genitals. Oh, no. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I did not try to seek out the video. I didn't want to see it. They showed a little bit care. too much on the even documentary that I watched. But I mean, it's like you... you you want to know. You just Some people yeah. want to see more. I definitely covered my eyes, so... I just needed the description. That's yeah. that. That well, was enough. enough. That was enough that's, for me. Yeah. The mm -hmm. internet was outraged. Mm -hmm. Overnight, a group of approximately four thousand members called "Find the Vacuum Kitten Killer" was formed. A Facebook group. The Animal Beta Project and PETA would also become involved. Over the next several months, web sleuths and citizen detectives would work to discover the identity and location of the perpetrator. During that time, Luca would engage in a sort of cat and mouse game with the groups that he no, knew were intended. working to find him. Pun intended. Forgive me. <laughs> oh, forgive no. me. It was maybe a little too soon. Um, using some of his online aliases, Luca would even join the groups to air quotes, leak information to them about yeah. the name and possible whereabouts of the kitten killer. Yeah. Then on his personal accounts as Luca Magnata, he would post various photos of himself indicating that he was constant, constantly traveling to multiple locations all throughout <laughs> the world. It's hilarious when they find out that like things were photoshopped. And, yeah. Yeah. Thus calling attention to the name and face of Luca Magnata, but making it nearly impossible to determine his actual location. And I do want to talk about uh, that Photoshop business. <laughs> um, let's, Add like let's talk about how he how that went down. He would literally Photoshop his face onto yeah. other people's bodies uh -huh. at landmarks in various cities, so that it would indicate to people who were looking at his personal uh, accounts that he was in Russia, he was in Paris, he was in Miami, <laughs> but he's he was in Hollywood, California. Like geographically where things are. <laughs> and he, not even that, he's doing it so badly. The body types oh, were all different. Sure. There were, in some photos, visible tattoos, and then the next day, those tattoos would be gone. 
I swear to you, there was even one where he photoshopped his face onto a woman's body. I swear to you. (laughs) It was so bad in how he could have conceivably thought anyone would believe that BS is beyond me. And if he truly thought in in his heart of hearts that he was fooling anybody, he was doing it in a really sloppy way. Well, what I think is just so crazy to me about him is what I've said to a lot of people in researching is I hate to say it, but everybody has known a gay man in their life who reminds them of this human, the very too, almost too much put together. You don't really know what their life was like before. They're more of like, kind of like a floater, but just, just super pretty. So they get by on their looks all the time. It's, it's kind of like this enigma that he is. I mean, I've known gay men that were really close friends of mine around that, that remind me of him in a way, obviously not what we're finding out about him, just like on the, on the surface kind of way where I'm like, he's getting away with this because he's so pretty that people are, are, are just fruit flies, you know, it's yeah. the thing and they're not questioning. But then obviously in interviews, when you start learning about him now, it's well, you know, he, no one really knew too much about him. We just, he just came and went and that was that. And Whatever. It was all surface. It brings me to uh, a quote uh, that I hear uh, in the gay community a lot recently with regard to people who are like him and people who are kind of of that same age. uh, Being young and pretty uh, or being young and mean is Mm -hmm. no substitute for a real personality. Yeah. And oftentimes people Uh rely on those things in order to, like you said, get by in yep. day-to-day life. And a lot of people excuse the beauty, the air quotes beauty. Uh-huh. Uh, or even sometimes they excuse the youth. And uh, it shouldn't shouldn't happen that way. Because he's, well, he's getting rejected by these shows for different reasons. But at the end of the day, when, I'm, when I was looking at him, I'm like, he's absolutely gorgeous. Like, if, you, if I didn't know who he was and this, that, and the other thing, like, just physically speaking, that's someone I... I probably would have had a crush on when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like just a very pretty human being. I mean, somebody I might've had a crush on in the nineties. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm saying. As a kid, you know? Yeah. When, definitely when not that today. Look was popular. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely not today. No. I mean, can you even grow a beard, sir? <laughs> that's I mean, come probably on. Not. Probably that's not very 2019. <laughs> Sadly, though, Lucas' taunting of the online community that had formed against him would include more violent acts. In November of 2011, almost a full year after the first kitten video had surfaced, two more videos would be released. One depicted an unidentifiable man playing with and ultimately feeding a live kitten to a python. And the other showed a kitten taped to the end of a broomstick while an unidentifiable man lowered it into a tub of water, allowing the cat to drown. And how do you even think of that? That, that one for, for some reason for me, as far as like the animal cruelty is, is the worst. It for sure is because you are physically controlling it. Absolutely. You watch way more of a struggle than say, you know, in a vacuumed tight, bag where you just and that happens and ugh, i don't even want to think about it's it but just, it's no time kind of thing yeah, let's just move on from that it's horrible it's some of them all it's like yeah. this is escalating obviously. it is you are absolutely correct in the fact that it is escalating we are hearing that just in this little information mm-hmm. that we're reporting and those who are investigating him are hearing it and seeing it as well well and part of me wonders too is he doing the kitten thing because he, this is a man who's very into the media or social media, I guess I should say, uh, the internet, everything like that. Does he somehow know at this point, this is the one thing you don't fucking do. So I'm going to do it. Or is it just animal cruelty and kittens are easy to come by in his neighborhood? I I mean, it could be a combination of those two things, but someone who is so immersed in online life and online community, I feel like he's probably being methodical in the fact that, like you said, he knows that this is going to get the biggest reaction. You can do anything on this whore website. Just don't fuck with cats. And that's, and that's the whole premise. Exactly. That's the whole premise of the Netflix documentary. Apparently rule zero of the internet is Mm -hmm. don't fuck with cats. And it should be. (laughs) And, And it should be. And then rule like point five is don't fuck with dogs. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm but I'm a dog dad, so I, I have to throw that in there. Absolutely. In response to the new videos, in December of 2011, the UK Sun in London 
would feature an article about the story, along with the accusations that Luca Magnata was believed to be the kitten killer. Two days after that publication, Luca would travel to London for an interview with journalist Alex West of the UK Sun. He would claim that he had nothing to do with the videos and state that he had been framed. Right? I've been framed. However, two days I'm after... I'm so famous. That I'm so famous that. that people just want to be me and they uh-huh. want to take away all this luxuriousness that I have. <laughs> right? Because I was in LA one day and then I was in like the UK the next. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Lexus. <laughs> However, two days after that interview, a letter claiming full responsibility for the crimes was sent to the offices of the UK Sun. The letter itself was signed by a name other than that of Luca Magnata. It contained details of the interview between Magnata and West that only Luca could have known. Oh. Yeah. Additionally, the letter would threaten the following. Quote, I will continue to make movies. The next time you hear from me, it will be in a movie I am producing that has humans in it, not just pussies, end quote. At this, the UK Sun would contact the Montreal police, informing them of Luca's suspected involvement in the crimes against animals, as well as their fear that he was threatening violence against, uh, now he was now threatening violence against humans. He was escalating uh-huh. in his crimes. Due to the lack of sufficient evidence, law enforcement would decline to become involved at that time. We should, at this point, throw in here, because it is impressive, the fact that this is a group of just civilians. This is a yeah, that's actually the, the thing that I have next to my notes, but please continue. Of, of people who have been doing this research, and the reason that they know it's Luca is because they're taking photographs of him that he's already you know posted on Facebook and whatever it may be, where they're comparing, like, this is the same chair, he's wearing the same jacket in this picture, like... All of these little comparisons that, like, just people are just picking apart. And it's a very, I mean, there's 4,000 people in this group, but the people that are actually doing this research, it's a very small group of Mm -hmm. humans, which kudos to them. Because I'm like, where do they find the time? I would love to believe that if I found something like this out, I would be just as, um, what's the word, diligent in trying to find this person. Yes. I mean, I hope it would be. I hope everybody would be, but at the end of the day, not everybody would be. And thank God for these people. Thank God for these people, because these truly are the people that made the biggest difference in this case. Uh, And I'm glad that you brought that up, because like I said, I do have uh, that I wanted to note here that the the reason the UK Sun knew to contact the Montreal authorities is because the web sleuths, who you've been talking about, and the citizen detectives, yeah, they had worked uh, their magic uh, and tracking uh, Luca's home location via photos that he posted on his personal uh, social media accounts. Um, and that they had also previously reached out to Montreal law enforcement with their suspicions and concerns, but the police had declined to become involved at that time as well. And that's not a, a knock or a cut at the Montreal police. No, they didn't have... I mean, they didn't have sufficient evidence. No. It's literally just accusations here's a picture and, and then here's a picture this jacket looks yeah. the same this jacket looks the same this chair looks the same these cats look the same that's fine but yeah. it's all speculation it's all speculation and it's easy for unfortunately yeah unfortunately and it's easy for us to look uh from a very outside perspective and in a hindsight perspective and say well these things should have happened this way but <laughs> we're not law enforcement mm-hmm. and we don't know exactly where the truth was in what they knew versus what they didn't know and what they could prove versus what they couldn't. This is music to signify a break. (laughs) (laughs) So fun. You're doing great, sweetie. Thanks. Love you. Mid-May of 2012, under his usual guise, using multiple online identities, Luca Magnata would return to the internet hyping a video called One Lunatic, One Ice Pick. He would pose questions in chat rooms and message boards like, hey, anybody seen this new video, One Lunatic, One Ice Pick, question mark? And hey, does anybody know where I can see this new video, One Lunatic, One Ice Pick? I've been looking for it everywhere. I've been looking for it simply everywhere. Just hyping the video. Then on May 24th of 2012, a man named June Lin would fail to show up to his job. Huh. Yeah. Okay, so before we talk about why, let's talk about who. Who was June Lin? June Lin was a 33-year-old man who had moved from rural 
the set we're in <laughs> rural China I so hard, yeah. <laughs> to Montreal in July of 2011. He had come to Canada to pursue a computer science degree from Concordia University. June's long-term goal was to graduate college and return to China in order to support his parents and his younger sister with his new career. Isn't that so upsetting? It's so upsetting. It just gets more upsetting though, It really. does. It, this is just seemingly such a good person who was victimized in such a horrific way. An actual tragedy. Yeah. June is reported to have been particularly close with his mother, calling or live-streaming videos to her on a daily basis. By all accounts, June Lin was a happy, responsible young man, so his friends and colleagues were very concerned when he failed up to uh, when he failed to show up for work on that day on the twenty fourth. Do you have like the last text he sent to his mom too? Uh, something about I'm safe. Yeah, it was yeah. like he took a picture of like the campus. I yeah. think it was, and it was it was a really pretty picture, and it was like I'm safe, I'm happy, whatever. Uh, isn't it beautiful? Yeah. Oh, my Horrific. heart. They became increasingly worried when they could not reach him on his cell phone and when they did not find him at his apartment. And speaking of his mother, Canadian friends even contacted June's family in Canada and were further alarmed when his mother advised that she had not heard from her son and that she, quote, had a bad feeling. Well, she already, like, they had said in the documentary that, like, his parents were nervous about him coming here. Yeah. Which... Just adds insult to injury, you know. Like they were, they they were hesitant. They didn't want him to do it. And he was like, "No, no, I'm gonna go take care of our family." And yeah, ugh. and I read several accounts where his family spoke out and said, "You know, he was their pride and joy." Oh, I'm sure. He was their pride and joy. One hundred percent. Yeah. According to the Montreal Gazette, sometime between May 23rd and May 24th, June Lin responded to a Craigslist ad that had been posted by Luca Magnata. Seeking, quote, a man who wanted to engage in bondage. However, the book My Son the Killer reported that the Craigslist ad actually was for, quote, a man interested in making a movie. So, regardless, hi, Lucy. <laughs> she just knocked hi, the whole Lucy. table. I wonder if you can think of that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> oh, that's Shelter pets, guys. Shelter yeah, pets. Exactly. That's yeah. what happens. Uh, regardless, though, whatever guys they, they met under, whatever the actual Craigslist ad said, regardless, security cameras would show June Lin willingly entering Luca Magnata's apartment building on May 24th, but he would not be filmed leaving. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, May 27th when he was reported missing, right? Uh, I do think that's correct. Eh. On May 25th of 2012, Luca Magnata posted the video One Lunatic, One Ice Pick to a website called Kevin666.com. And then later it was shared to, I think we've already talked about it once uh, on this episode, bestgore.com. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is where it gets a little tough, but uh, these are the details of the video. This video opened with a naked man bound to a bed by all fours with his face covered. The video then cuts away and returns to that same man, still naked, still bound to the bed, still with his face covered, but he now seemingly had his throat cut and was obviously dead. Mm -hmm. The video will then cut away again and returns to the victim with now an unidentifiable man on top of him holding an ice pick. The video then goes on to show 11 minutes of the victim being stabbed in the torso, in the abdomen, with an ice pick, and they estimated that this happened approximately 100 times. Oh, dear God. Yeah. It would then show the body being dismembered. Uh, there were also some acts of cannibalism, and the remains were also subjected to acts of necrophilia. And the only one that I really cared to report uh, was that there were simulated sex acts uh, performed to the body, but not real sex acts. Uh, and that Luca Magnata, or the man that we later found, uh, or we know to be Luca Magnata, took the dismembered arm and used it to masturbate his genitalia. Mm -hmm. Classy, right? Oh, God. Uh, Trad I wish people could see <laughs> Your hand gestures when you explain that, though. <laughs> that was the best. That's like the only You can't way to... say it without you know, actually doing the gesture. I would have started crying if you didn't do the gesture, so that's great. Thank You're... you for keeping the comic relief for me. You're welcome. <laughs> Tragically, the victim depicted Ugh. in the video would later be identified as the missing June Lynn. Gosh. All right, let's talk about how 
this person or these people depicted in the video were identified as victim June Lin and perpetrator Luca Magnata. Mm -hmm. At approximately 11 a.m. on May 29th, 2012, a foul-smelling bloodstained package containing a human left foot was delivered to the headquarters of the Conservative Party of Canada. At around that same time on the same day, another package addressed to the headquarters of the Liberal Party of Canada was actually intercepted by a postal processing facility. That package was also foul-smelling, also bloodstained, and it contained a human left hand. According to the CBC, additional human body parts were mailed to local elementary schools, and there was one report that stated a human head was found in a nearby park. <laughs> Gosh. Additionally, that same day, Montreal police would be alerted to a human torso that had been found outside in a foul-smelling suitcase near a trash pile behind an apartment building in their city. In questioning residents of that apartment building and reviewing the security camera footage, the suitcase in question had last been seen in the possession of the man who rented apartment 208. Care to guess who that man was? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> was a it man Santa Claus? <laughs> no, it was not Santa Claus. Uh, a man named Luca Magnata. Mm. A search of the blood-soaked apartment 208 would reveal that Luca had fled, but not before scrawling a message to them on a wall stating, quote, if you don't like the reflection, don't look in the, don't mirror. In the mirror. I don't care. Mm -hmm. All the aforementioned body parts, as well as the human biological material found in Luca's apartment, were identified as having belonged to the same person. And on uh, between July, June and July, I'm sorry, of 2012, uh, that person was officially identified as June Lin. Well, and also too, they're noticing the uh, the chair, the things that he has in his apartment that mm -hmm. were on these videos and things that they obviously weren't able to search before. Yeah. Things are coming together. At this point, I was wondering, and maybe you are wondering, and maybe the listeners are wondering, where in the world is Luca Magnata? Ugh, yeah, right. By June of 2012, so this might sound like it's a long time later, but if people are really paying attention, it's just a couple of days later. Yeah. An international manhunt was underway in search of Luca Magnata. Authorities had reason to believe that he had escaped from Montreal to Paris using a fake passport. And the reason they had uh, this reasonable suspicion was they had received a witness statement from a neighbor who lived in the apartment building, someone who actually knew Luca, and it wasn't just like a, an, an impassing type of uh, relationship. Right, right. The witness said that on the day that Luca is presumed to have disappeared, he had seen Luca leaving the apartment building. Are you ready for this? Oh, gosh. Wearing a red wig and a Mickey Mouse t-shirt. What? <laughs> I can see that now because it's like you can buy Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse stuff all over and it kind of is like a queer culture thing for some weird reason I don't understand. But what? Like at that point in time, why? Dude, why you gotta fuck with Mickey though? Like why? honestly. Why you gotta taint his reputation? Come on, Luca. Review of airport security camera footage revealed a man matching the description uh, flying from Montreal to Paris. To Paris. Okay. Yes. So law enforcement in Paris was soon alerted, and then the media in the area warned the general public to be on the lookout for the man that they now dubbed the, quote, Montreal Butcher, or I had to put this in here because I thought it was hilarious, or, quote, porno killer. <laughs> That's even better. We can't be the Montreal Butcher. There's too many butchers out there. Too many butchers out there. That's hilarious. In light of this, Luca hopped a bus from Paris to Berlin. Then on June 4th, 2012, the owner of an internet cafe in Berlin would report that a familiar looking man entered his place of business with the simple greeting, bonjour, <laughs> internet, question mark. Um, he of course didn't say question mark, but yeah. yeah I, I feel, just, I, I, yeah. I see what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unable to determine why this customer looked so familiar to him, the owner of the cafe paid particularly close attention to the man and his activities. It was discovered that the man, the customer, was searching for articles about the now internationally known murderer, Luca Magnata. The cafe owner then made the connection. He, oh, good for him. Good for him. Yeah, absolutely good for him. He made the connection and he quickly flagged down a passing group of police cadets 
and Luca was apprehended at that time without much difficulty. I think the account that I read was they came in, they questioned him, they said, are you this person? He initially said, no, I'm not, gave him a fake name. And then they said, mm, can you show us proof? Right. But I think maybe you are the person. Yeah, but I think, I think maybe you're not being completely honest with me about this. And he just basically said, okay, you guys got me. And <laughs> he, one of the things I wanted to add in that I never jumped on before, because I'm just like reading over my random notes, because that's how I do my notes, is how the, the photoshopped images we talked about yes. before, that he was now obviously looking up, uh, Googling himself or whatever he was doing. Um, the Miami photo in general, there's a photo of him in Miami where he had photoshopped his face onto another gentleman's body. They traced the camera. <laughs> I love that they had to add in. It was pink, by the way. And I'm like, of course it was. <laughs> was it glittery too? Like, of course it was. That or it was like he stole that from someone probably. Um, and that he was saying that once they traced them back, that it was his camera, uh, that he responded with saying that people were pretending to be him. So this like narcissism. Oh, he was also described as having carnivorous narcissism, which I think is such a wonderful terminology. Right. I there. agree. I think we should hashtag that yes. at least when we're Hash- posting about this particular person uh-huh. and this particular episode. Carnivorous narcissism, and that was something that was used. You know, I think even before the the ice pick part even had happened, so yeah. it wasn't even like a play on words. It was just. It's a good way to describe him. I agree. I agree. It encompasses everything that he is. <laughs> it really does. But since we are kind of going back and talking about the web sleuths and the things that they found out and like their research of like the photos and whatnot, I was mind blown at the fact that people can extrapolate data from a photo that is posted online yeah. so much so that they can tell what that Camera. photo was taken with. Yeah. Um, like for example, in they one of the, the documentaries- one of the documentaries, they said uh, they were talking about a photo that he had taken, and they were like, it was taken with an iPhone 4, by the way. Uh-huh. And it just blew my yeah. mind. There's so much of that information just out there for the right people to find. Oh, I learned it on Catfish. I watched that show way too much. How they go and they take the one picture from an internet site and they scan it through whatever yeah. web web program it is. And it's like, this is on all these different sites. And it's been taken with that. I'm like, oh, my God. Everything has a trail. What I found really interesting about being someone who's local to the Cincinnati area, watching Catfish, is did you notice how many times they came to the city? Oh my god, I know. That's the first 48. There are two shows where Cincinnati is is probably infamous. Oh honey. Catfish and the first 48. (laughs) Oh honey, I'm a former Memphian before I came to Cincinnati. Okay, Okay, fair. The first 48 was in Memphis so often that they literally approached the city about their own show. Like the first 48 Memphis. Memphis. Yes. Wow. And uh, the powers that be in Memphis declined because they felt as though it might give the city a negative reputation. I was literally thinking in my head, like, there's a reason why that didn't become a thing. And there's a reason why no other city has done that yet. Because it's like... Do we really want that kind of attention? Exactly. It would cast a negative light on the city. And my answer to that is, well, no, all the murder casts a negative light on the city. Why don't you start with that? Yeah. And then we should maybe have a TV show and then maybe it'll dissipate a little bit because we're focusing on it. Absolutely. But we digress. Yeah, right. We digress. Picture it. Sicily. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I'm sorry. Picture it. Berlin. (laughs) Berlin, June 2012. Uh, Luca was actually taken to a prison uh, in the city of Berlin where he would await extradition back to Canada. And I guess finally, what happened to old Luca? On June 18th of 2012, Luca Magnata would arrive back in Canada to face charges of first-degree murder, committing an indignity to a human body, which is a huge understatement, if you ask me. Oh my God, hold on. One other thing. I can't believe I didn't say this before because I'm looking at my random notes again. He said when he was being quite, oh, well, you might be, you might actually be, you might be saying this. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like questioning myself why he was uh, persecuted. Do you have I quote? may not, so. Because it's mind bottling. Please please continue. (laughs) And if I I have it somewhere in my notes, I'll just reiterate it or I'll skip over it. 
he says that he was persecuted for his white supremacist sympathies. What? I did not come across that he anywhere. Thinks that's where people think that he was the person who did this is because he has sympathies for white supremacy. That he's also what? I'm so confused on that statement. Like I'm so confused. Cause yes, maybe like, if you just saw a picture of him, I could see that being a thing. But like, then you know his lifestyle and his like he's an open his open sexual orientation and all of that. So I'm like, where? I guess it's like any you know homosexual. I know that's a Trump supporter. It's the same thing. Ah, like, yes. Where does it make sense? The gay Trumpsters are the log cabin Republicans. Uh huh. No real disrespect to them but i just don't get it i yeah well it's, i it's, just don't get it to me it's a comparison of that it's like okay that's fair could that be why you chose this victim to be your victim potentially i mean an exchange I, student that's to you doesn't belong here or whatever the case may be i don't know i don't, I don't think know. he knows why he did the that's things he did Truly, whatever, and I think he's just grasping at straws. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really interesting, the defenses that he tried to kind of cling to versus the ones he didn't. And we will talk about that in just a minute. Right. But the charges, again, were first-degree murder, uh, committing an indignity to a human body, hosting obscene material on the internet, which I didn't know was an actual offense. Especially but, a website like that. Yeah. And mailing obscene material through the Postal Service. Well, that obviously should. Luca would plead not guilty to the charges. Luca's defense counsel would agree that he, or they would argue rather, I'm sorry, they would argue that he was not criminally responsible due to mental illness. So that's just Canada's version of the U.S.'s not guilty by reason of insanity. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, They would even have a psychiatrist, a forensic psychiatrist, evaluate uh, Luca by the name of Dr. Watts, who offered to testify to the fact that Luca was in fact not criminally responsible for his actions due to his untreated schizophrenia. Okay, but then what? Well, <laughs> like, Luca would be uncooperative with this line of defense. And there were a lot of different things that I kind of read about it. Nothing really came out and said this. So this is just kind of me, for lack of a better term, paraphrasing or extrapolating what I think uh, all of this information was saying. Well, because there's not a whole lot. I, 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 when my girlfriend and I were trying to watch different documentaries and things about him, there wasn't a whole lot on the sentencing in general. I'm like, so then yeah. what? If not then that, then what? Like, what happens? I think it's because that was all kind of new. Uh, a lot of the information about Luca Magnata kind of just went up to the trial That's and fair. then stopped. And I think it's maybe it's just because it's so new. Yeah. Um, but I also wonder if we're going to see a little bit of a change, if we're going to see more people reporting about this person and about this it case wasn't that long ago. because of the fact that it wasn't that long ago and people are just playing catch up and because of this Netflix documentary mm-hmm. or docu-series that's happening. I bet we will. Maybe this is one that will come back yeah, and take a look that. at again at some point. Mm-hmm. But like I said, by all accounts that I could kind of read, the best I understand the situation, Luca was denying being mentally ill. He would not testify on his own behalf regarding his mental illness or what his mental state was like at the time of the crimes. And he would not allow that forensic psychiatrist, Dr. Watts, to testify on his behalf either. Wow. Additionally, for whatever reason, maybe it was at Luca's urgings. Yes. This is a hundred percent a vanity thing. I, I have I'm to agree with you there. Everything I know what's going on, which he probably doesn't. I have to agree with you there. I have to agree with the fact that he's caught at this point. Yeah. You know, so He's caught. He knows he's going down. He knows that there's really nothing that's going to get him necessarily out of some form of punishment. Well, and he probably still firmly believes that nobody's going to know that the life was he, he was living up until this point is all a facade. Yeah. Like it's all, it's a woozy, it's a wazzy, it's, yeah. it's bullshit. Yeah. And I just feel <laughs> like, <laughs> bullshit button. Precisely. But my mind, my mind feels like he knows he's going down and if he's going to go down, if he's going to fall, he's going to fall gracefully and he's going to fall on his own terms. Yeah. And he's going to do it in such a way that he says, no, 
I am not victimized, not even by my own mental health here. I was in complete control. I knew exactly what I was doing. I always am. And I did this for the fame and for the glory. And I'm going to get all of the repercussions of my actions. And he kind of does. Uh, And the other thing that stuck out for me that I thought was just a little bit strange. uh, And like I said, whether it was because of Luca's urgings, if he asked them not to, or if his family is also just so kind of out of touch with his mental illness, they were asked to come testify about the fact that he suffered from these mental illnesses and his family wouldn't do it either. Huh? Isn't that insane? Well, he's obviously so disconnected. I mean, I guess, now, when you mentioned his family, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I didn't even pay any attention to how connected he may or may not be with his family at this point in time. I, they kind of fell by the wayside yeah. at the age of 10 for me. Yeah. Well, he was very estranged from them up to this point. I mean, I assume. Yeah. You know. In the end, though, Luca Rocco Magnata, who had previously been Eric Newman, uh-huh. would be found guilty of all charges and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for 25 years. And another little interesting piece of information that I just kind of wanted to throw out to the listeners and to you, because I'm not sure if you would have heard this, uh, you know, the website, Uh bestgore.com. All right. So a man by the name of Mark Merrick, who is the owner of that website, was sentenced to and served six months in prison for allowing the video One Lunatic, One Ice Pick to be uploaded to that website. Fucking right. And that is fucking amazing absolutely that's yeah. not enough time but i'm glad they did something at least yeah exactly at if least it was america some- it would have been it would have been something else that's all i can say <laughs> <laughs> and what do i have now the only other reports about luca that that i was able to read up to this point and again i think he's gaining some notoriety right now i think people are looking uh into this case a little bit more is that by all accounts He is thriving in prison. I'm sure he is. He has become famous in his home country for the crimes that he committed, just like he wanted. He receives fan mail and gifts from people all the time. He was able to reconcile the estranged relationship he had with his mother. She gets to come and visit him. No, she gets to come and visit him. Oh, just wait. Luca was uh... even able to meet fall in love with, and ultimately marry a fellow prisoner. I love that for all the single people listening. (laughs) Back when Charles Manson got married in prison, I was like, all right, well, that's just it for me. Let's pack it in. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm I'm worse off than Charles fucking Manson, but not not anymore. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, not anymore, definitely. Seriously, that's so, I mean, like I said before, he's a beautiful human. Physically speaking. Yes. Oh my God. Uh, the only thing that makes it any better in the please, smallest, smallest, smallest fraction is that he didn't um, marry like one of his fans, so to speak. He actually married uh, another man who was serving, uh, another prisoner who was serving a sentence also for being a convicted murderer. But Great. Good for you. But again, by all accounts, he is thriving in prison and that to me is bullshit thank you bullshit button because he should not have gotten ultimately what he was seeking by committing these horrible crimes which was fame uh, essentially fortune recognition notoriety and we just talked about a happy, that. healthy life. We just talked about that with our last one, like how he didn't get any of those things because of the fact that he confessed and how he was treated. And it was like, good, great, awesome. He gets no notoriety. Nobody knows who he is. But Luca really is. I mean, they're literally coming out with a documentary about him yeah. on Netflix yeah. next week. <laughs> like, so, and it's not that long ago, which is partially probably. I will say that the docu series I've been watching about Henry Lee Lucas. I will recommend to everyone who's in a true crime, obviously everyone who's listening. It's really good. It's really, I mean, I'm halfway through about, and I'm definitely into it. Definitely would recommend. 
It's on my to-watch list. What's it called? The Confession Killer. Yeah, it's on my to-watch list, and I'm super intrigued by it. I've watched the trailer probably four or five times, just the trailer, but I haven't uh, taken the dive into actually watching it yet because... Well, we might be talking about... We might. We might. (laughs) Maybe. If that's something that you listeners would like to hear, please let us know. For sure. Okay, Ashley, I think it's that time. I think it's time to mic drop. It's mic drop time. <laughs> um, we should address the bullshit button, though. We should. <laughs> we should. Great... We kind of just, like, threw that out at all of you listeners without any sort of explanation. So we're explaining it now. Uh, tis the holiday season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, tis the season to be merry, merry. Um, Mary, Mary, Mary. And uh, I did participate in a white elephant gift exchange recently. Which are always the best. Which are always the best. And I was gifted with this little guy that is, in fact, we'll put a a picture of him up uh, on the social media. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But he's called the Bullshit Button. Mm -hmm. I think everybody needs one. He's just exactly what I imagine he sounds like. He's a little button that sits here with us as we're uh, doing the pod. You can hit that button, and he has, I think, at least four phrases uh, just describing um, situations that are bullshit. He kind of reminds me a little bit of the, like, staples, like, that was the yes. button. <laughs> yes, yes, except he's calling out the bullshit, and if we, if we have him or, or her or they, however, yeah, however this button uh, might choose to identify, if it could choose to identify... <laughs> Uh, we have it. Inanimate object. We have it. We have them to call out bullshit for us. Yes. And I would like to continue this trend. Maybe our extra color color commentary, as we like to say. So listen for the bullshit button in future episodes of the Slay Queens podcast. We dropped him, her, them twice in I think about ten minutes because we we remembered that we had them. Yeah, we had somewhat forgotten about them, but we won't make that mistake again in the future. Rest assured, Slay Queens. And I think that's it. I think think we are done with Luca Magnata. I can't wait, though. This is going to be so good because we have a couple days to wait until we can watch an actual little, like, documentary. And I can't wait to see, like, a Netflix version of things that we've researched. Because a lot of the time, well, not a lot of the times, but some of the people we've researched, we can watch more, you know, refined versions and read books about them. But this one was a little bit, we had to dive a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see a a different version, different take. And I'm actually really glad, like I said before, that it's happening this way. Uh Uh, Because I feel like I can go into it feeling like I'm a bit of a novice on the subject and still be surprised by something. Because I'm sure they're going to surprise us with something. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. That they there's, They've done their research far more than we could have. So, yeah. and I'm uh, I'm just I'm excited about it. Yeah, and we are excited to know what you listeners thought of our uh, recount of Luca Magnata and his life and crimes, and we're also excited to hear what you think of the Netflix. I think we should do a cheers to uh, all the Eric Newmans out there. Cheers to all the Eric Newmans. You have mostly all been good to me. <laughs> I love that. Salute. Yeah. Go out and slay queens. Go out and slay queens. Uh, We do, if you would like to reach out to us uh, on any social media platform, we do have an Instagram. Yes. And that is? Slay Queens Pod. (laughs) Finally made our Twitter handle comprehensible, which is now Slay Queens Pod. Pod On Twitter. And if you want to reach us via email, you can email us at? SlayQueensPod at gmail.com. And I think that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, like she said, go out and slay queens. Just not <laughs> foreign exchange students. <laughs> Just not foreign exchange students, not, not each, each other. other, and not kittens. Ugh, definitely not kittens. Don't fuck Above with kittens. I'm going away, but I won't come back on a lonesome railroad line. But I can't forget that sweet little girl who sleeps in the pines in the pines.